This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. Accessibility is probably one of the important keywords around museums. Uh, they give people access to the public arena, to their own creativity, to a world that is bigger than uh, all of us, to everything, basically. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Matthias Waszek. He is the executive director of the Worcester Art Museum, and welcome to our program. Thank you for having me. Now, Matthias knows that we consider the Worcester Art Museum truly an exemplar of the work in accessibility and universal design here in Massachusetts. In fact, Matthias, you were one of the first ones to raise your hand um, probably three years ago when we launched our UP program around universal participation and universal design. And my favorite story, and there have been many since then, <laughs> is how you came to design the new entrance to the front of the building. Tell us about that. Yes, well, you are part of that story um, because it was, uh, as lots of good stories start, on a steamy summer lunch um, <laughs> at the Worcester Art Museum. You came out and we talked about uh, the need to make uh, um, uh, public institutions um, uh, more accessible. Uh, you talked about the dream of having Massachusetts as the leader uh, in accessibility in the country. And um, then we were musing about um, uh, a lot of access support looking damn ugly. And um, we then continued to talk, and this was the starting point of another conversation where you were involved as well with an architect with whom we are working uh, in Worcester, Kula Patyantrasast, the principal of Y Architecture, which is based in LA and in uh, New York City. And uh, he came up with our access bridge, because that's what you're aiming at. Um, and the access bridge is on, our, uh, on the main side of the building. Um, and normally when you have these access facilities, well, firstly, you segregate audiences. You're talking about people with disabilities. Actually, oftentimes people say people that are handicapped, which is a very nasty way of putting it. Um, and uh, uh, the rest you completely forget, because it's not just one group. Uh, such as people with disabilities that needs to access uh, museums that, particularly if they're as old as the Worcester Art Museum, have just stairs everywhere. Uh, but you also have an aging population that, in our lovely winters, uh, doesn't like to uh, to slide on the on the steps. And then you have families with strollers uh, who also can't get into those damn buildings. So um, we needed this access ramp um, or access bridge. Uh, that is not only uh, facilitating the access to the museum, but is making the access of those who don't easily use stairs uh, a very noble enterprise and a very inclusive one. So basically what Kulapat came up with is uh, a work of art that gives you access to a building that has art. Um, and that makes the, 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 the entry which um, has since um, since the Romans, since the Egyptians, uh, always been nobilitated via steps, nobilitates that via a modern bridge uh, that is not clashing actually with the architecture, but that is enhancing the existing architecture. So thanks to that little uh, um, insertion, if you will, uh, the front of the museum, which is a 1930s Beaux-Arts building, 
um, which uh, is a little bit forbidding, actually, uh, as people built in the 1930s, uh, all over the world, not just in America. And it makes it into a very welcoming, uh, uh, very playful um, uh, um, facade uh, where the, um, the uh, stone presence, uh, very angular, uh, is kind of counteracted by the playful and fluid presence of this metallic bridge uh, with these fins that create, when you walk past it, a moiré effect like with silk. Um, and people love the bridge. And even those for whom that bridge was not primarily built, like people who always take stairs, they prefer that access bridge now to our 1930s stairs. Lots of times when we talk about accessibility, um, we do think about things like ramps, and we think about the blue knobs on doors so they open, and we think about the sort of the physical barriers, but there's a lot more to it than that, and you have really been digging deeper into the entire experience of the visitor and making it accessible to all. So, there are many levels of accessibility, as you, as you point out, uh, Anita, and we've been talking about this. And architecture plays a role just by a place being welcoming, because um, uh, if it is a forbidding facade, nobody feels welcome unless you know very much what is in, in there. But then there's another uh, aspect, uh, so physical and then the, the welcoming environment. Uh, there's another aspect, which is that of a social accessibility. So um, uh, a lot of people may think um, that uh, museums are not for them because they are not in the quote-unquote uh, right social class with the quote-unquote right um, uh, knowledge of etiquette. That's one level. And I, there's another one for that reason I'm, I'm, I'm talking about these two distinct. And then there's the, it's, it's almost Pavlovian when people talk to me about the museum, they always talk about um, that they not have done their home that they haven't done their homework about the artworks in there uh, because they, they think they need to know a lot so it's the social thing but it's also the knowledge thing you may well be from the quote unquote again right social class and there is no right social class because everybody is welcome in a museum uh, but uh, there's also this um, this perceived uh, need uh, to know something uh, where it's actually up to us uh, to make people have the experience that they want to come back um, so accessibility is so much more complex uh, uh, than just the physical possibility of uh, uh, accessing a, uh, a space. So the words that we were using uh, is that the Worcester Art Museum and the Renaissance Court in particular is something like the living room of our city. Uh, so it is the place uh, where people go for major events. So, uh, for instance, I give you one example of a major event, um, which we are extremely proud of, um, which is uh, now we're in the second year of organizing um, uh, naturalization ceremonies in our Renaissance court. Uh, so uh, each time 50 new Americans come with their families, it's extremely diverse. Um, so far, the lottery system still works. Um, and uh, the first thing um, uh, that they uh, oftentimes say, uh, because I spoke with, with many of them, is that they so much enjoy um, that the diversity that they are bringing to this country is also reflected in the environment where they are becoming Americans. So uh, for them, this moment of being in the museum, and it is only 50 people plus their families, uh, is um, they will always come back to the museum. So we also give them uh, a free membership and things like that. So uh, then there are people who decide, so I'm speaking about very extreme cases, and then we, 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 we go to, to less uh, um, 
out-of-the-ordinary cases, let's put it that way around. There are people who decide, for instance, to organize their wedding at the museum. Um, so we have a Renaissance court again, which is a beautiful backdrop uh, for, for that. Um, and uh, we have a chapter house uh, from uh, Western France, uh, early medie uh, late medieval times, um, uh, which came to us in the 1920s. And so a lot of people would like to associate that very important moment in their lives um, uh, with a historic gravitas, a historic grounding. Uh, and for them, again, when they come back to the museum, this is familiar ground. This is a place where they experienced something that is much more than just learning about the art. It is an experience about being in touch with civilizations. Um, and that's also where we want to go, that uh, if people choose to learn the hardcore art history, of course we would give them that, uh, uh, that information. But it's much more important that people come to actually experience a world that's much bigger than all of us. It's actually the sum of all of us human beings on this planet. Uh, and enjoy that, and via that experience, not only um, have a kind of self-actualizing moment, uh, or many thereof, uh, but also um, have uh, a strengthened uh, desire to understand something that is not familiar, understand, again, unfortunately, quote, unquote, I can't do it because it's not on camera, so I have to, have to say it, uh, but, but to understand the other, to understand the non-familiar, because this is one of the important things as our world gets more and more populated, as it gets more and more diverse in spite of uh, certain people who would like to work against this. It's, it's a fact, uh, and civilizations only work um, now that this world is more populated when we all make an active effort to understand the other. So accessibility is, back to the big subject, uh, uh, is an accessibility to asking oneself fundamental questions. Um, uh, they are not related to uh, having a PhD or um, uh, uh, having money. Uh, as a c part of human condition, we have to ask ourselves questions about the other, how we relate to other people, how we relate to history, how we respect other people. And this accessibility is part of that bigger movement. I hope I didn't muddy the waters too much with these big ideas and something very concrete like uh, accessibility. No, actually one of the things that I think about when I visited the Worcester Art Museum and a couple of things that I've noticed that you're doing and I'm interested in if what I'm experiencing um, is intentional by you or just a total accident. So first of all, I loved uh, when you said um, sometimes people are afraid to cross the threshold into an art museum because they haven't done their homework. Mm. Uh, that word work uh, makes it sound like it certainly wouldn't be any fun to go to an art museum. I have to do my work before I go there. And so I think sort of um, uh, um, erasing that notion that it is um, a study, it's school I'm going to, uh, by associating um, an experience of the art museum with a celebration or with a high point in your life, whether it's citizenship or a wedding and so forth, um, starts to break down the psychological barrier that says, I have to know a whole lot about something and the whole history of this particular artist before I can ever look at that thing in the gilded frame. Um, and then the other thing I think you're doing is um, the variety of exhibitions that you're doing that are not sort of standard classic um, uh, what a person might expect when they walk into a gallery. So uh, we had, I think it's two years ago now, um, 
it's so vivid still that it seems like yesterday we had an exhibition um, that was called, and it's funny because at the board level we've talked about this and everybody was, was, was quoting this without seeing the funniness and now you're curious what I'm going to say. The exhibition was called Meow. So just imagine a board, a boardroom with very dignified people, and they all say Meow. So <laughs> and said Meow was really successful. Uh, so um, this exhibition was basically uh, um, connecting people with the presence, uh, and it is not as esoteric as it sounds, with the presence of cats in the arts. So ancient Egypt has a cat cult. Uh, we have some some works on this. But then when you really look, you have lots of paintings that have cats. Uh, cats have a certain symbolism in Dutch genre painting, for instance. Uh, but they also appear uh, in, in Japanese uh, woodcuts, uh, and so on and so forth. So, And we called that tour through the museum, so kind of to actualize our collection for people who had seen it already, or people who needed an entryway and access. Uh, that was the catwalk. Um, and um, uh, in addition to that, we had a small um, and there are also naughty things related to cats, which I cannot quote here. Uh, but uh, if you if you go to Courbet and the painting at the Louvre and things uh, at the Worcester Art Museum and think something naughty, that's part of the catwalk. Okay. <laughs> so um, the uh, the other thing that we did was uh, we worked together, and that's where it gets very interesting for me um, with uh, the animal uh, uh, rescue uh, um, organization in uh, animal shelter in, in Worcester, and we had a uh, uh, a vivarium for cats designed by an artist, by an artist, uh, and uh, cats that were uh, uh, prepared for adoption uh, were happily roaming around. So normally you can ca see cats anywhere you want, back alleys, front doors. I mean, they're everywhere, these darlings. So in our case, they were uh, in a museum space, and people came to see cats um, in in this kind of beautiful... Uh, uh, you had cats wandering around. Uh, in a gallery. This was a... a in the gallery. A, a, in a gallery. So people, people uh, went there, and the, the, the aim was uh, to work together with the animal shelter and help in the adoption process of cats. Okay? So what the whole thing did was it took the museum out of the realm of just art with a capital A and showed, uh, showed applications uh, of, of that art or use the art as a vehicle. Um, and then in addition to that, so we got all the cat lovers and probably 60% of the world population is cat lovers. So uh, we got a gigantic visitation, people who normally wouldn't come. And at the same time, uh, we had an exhibition um, uh, of a very, very important tapestry, a Flemish tapestry that we have in our collection, The Last Judgment, uh, which had recently been uh, uh, restored in, in Belgium. And had we had a big poster, come and see The Last Judgment, I mean, who wants The Last Judgment? We don't want to die anyway, so why, why bother seeing a Last Judgment? But those who saw the cats afterwards taking the cat walk, roaming through the museum, meow like cats, um, uh, were also, also uh, uh, going to that space where The Last Judgment was. And they were completely floored, because it's extremely beautiful. And so by connecting, and that's the access theme again, uh, by not thinking about the museum as a kind of staid uh, um, box, uh, but by, by connecting subjects with subjects that people uh, meet in their daily life or, or uh, look to in their daily life, you also uh, give new actuality to things that are classically art and that normally people wouldn't want to go to see because it means learning. So we tricked them into a non-learning 
viewing experience via cats, and some other cats were just very happy because they found a new home. I think I'll be taking some cats up to Beacon Hill and let them walk, <laughs> wander around the state house and see if we can get any uh, traction up there. This sounds like an amazing idea. Um, I know one of the other things that you're doing is, uh, speaking of partnerships, yeah. um, is with BSA. Yes. So um, VSA is a very special arts. Uh, it is a um, sub-organization of Seven Hills, which is uh, headquartered in um, uh, Worcester. And uh, it um, uh, works with people with uh, brain injury uh, and other disabilities. Um, and they have now a, a studio. The Worcester Art Museum has a, a wing that is uh, uh, with something like 12 uh, studio uh, studios uh, for, for studio art classes and they took one of the studios um, and they have exhibitions there as well and uh, they also um, come into the museum uh, during the courses with their, their, their caregivers uh, so uh, it is something and I will give you first the French word um, and then I'll translate it because I, I love that French word um, because I worked in France before coming to America and we had a person who was both an artist and a social worker and she worked with people uh, who didn't really have a natural place in society like uh, homeless and others and they went to the Louvre that was the museum where I worked and I said why would they want to come and she said this is what we call réparation sociale social healing mm. so um, people who due to their disabilities don't think that they have a place in public spaces via this connection uh, with uh, very special arts we actually give them a place uh, in a typical public space in Worcester. Um, so uh, that's the, the high level. Uh, the other level is, of course, that uh, art has a therapeutic value. Um, and via the therapy, you get access to art, but you also access the self or parts that you haven't explored. So, so you get to other forms of accessibility, which go down the road of Freud, Jung, and all the other people. Uh, so accessibility is probably one of the important keywords around museums. Uh, they give people access to the public arena, to their own creativity, to a world that is bigger than uh, all of us, to tolerance, uh, um, to everything, basically. And I can't imagine uh, a more important time uh, for accessibility to be um, shouting out of the doors of our art museums and our theaters and our dance halls. Um, I think that um, our museums and our cultural nonprofits have, have become uh, a sanctuary for people who are feeling marginalized and even threatened and afraid, yeah. um, but also for people who are just um, um, feeling a sense of uh, discomfort and um, stress and anxiety because the world is, is feeling uh, stressful and anxious right now. Yeah. And, Walking into an art museum uh, for anybody can be therapeutic. Absolutely, and you are touching on another word that I uh, like to use with, uh, or word feel that I like to use with uh, museums, the word sanctuary. Um, uh, and it is, uh, there's a spirituality uh, in museums because not only a lot of the artworks that we uh, have in our stewardship come from religious uh, practices, but uh, it is about something more than just the banal here and now. Uh, it weaves into the here and now and 
sometimes debanalizes, should that be needed. Uh, but there is a strong spiritual uh, uh, component. So, um, in a way, when, when, when you think about an Italian city, um, uh, you have the churches with all the artworks where you go if you want to participate in the Mass or not. Um, so there is a, something similar with, with museums. We have the secular version thereof. And then you think about the market squares where everybody can go, uh, where you sometimes look at the beauty of the architecture, of the sculptures, uh, and sometimes you don't and you're just there and take your coffee. That's what museums need to be if they're truly accessible. You know, the word access, um, it used to just mean ugly ramps and big bathrooms. Yes. <laughs> but now, thanks to your work and so many others here in the Commonwealth, um, I think we're getting a new definition of access, and it is more powerful than it's ever been before. Matthias Waschek, Executive Director of the Worcester Art Museum, another one of our creative minds out loud. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.